We're going to be in Luke chapter 2 today. And then, of course, next week is our children's program thing. So there won't be a, a quote, sermon next week. Uh, we'll probably talk right before we do the baptisms just a little bit about baptism, but not in a full sermon mode. Although, you never know, I was over uh, uh, last, it might have been last Monday, if not the Monday before, was uh, my mother-in-law's birthday. So Maddie and I were over there, and uh, we were talking about various things, and, and um, uh, Maddie goes, wow, Sam, I don't think anybody was expecting a sermon. Apparently, you can take the pastor out of the church, or you can take the church, you can take me out of a church, I don't know. Who knows? There, I, I had something in mind and then it didn't work and I couldn't think of something else on the fly. I'm going to preach no matter where I am, apparently. So uh, it might end up as a sermon. Hopefully not. It's supposed to only be a minute or two uh, next week. But So that's next week. Uh, but today we're going to talk about shepherds. We're going to talk about shepherds. Um, I, I've got a friend and, and the, the shepherds is their favorite part of the Christmas story. Um, and the more that I read it, as I get older, the more I understand why. There's a beauty in how God went about, of course, there's a beauty in how God went about the whole process, right? But there's a, there's a simplistic beauty in how he included the shepherds in it. We're going to be in Luke chapter 2, and we're going to read verses 8 through 20. And this is the whole account there in Luke chapter 2, of course, of the of the shepherds. And I'm going to guess that everybody in here has read Luke chapter 2 before or had it read to you. Um, so I want to encourage you as we read this, don't just go, oh yes, I've heard this passage. Read into it with me because there's some, there's some beautiful, not imagery, things in it that God does throughout this whole chapter, but especially in this section. Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 20. Verses 8 through 20. In the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. Pause. Before we continue on, who else had this memorized by watching the um, Peanuts Charlie Brown Christmas special, right? Every time I read these next couple of verses, I just hear uh, 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 Linus there doing it. I don't know. Amen. I'll start over. Verse 8 here. In the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David there has been born for you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest. And on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. Verse 15 now. When the angels had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds began saying to one another, Let us go straight to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has made known to us. So they came in a hurry and found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. And when they had seen this, they made known the statement which had been told them about this child. And all who heard it wondered at the things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. The shepherds went back, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen, just as had been told to them. So let's look at this. First off on your note sheet there is biblical shepherds. I want to talk just a little bit about what shepherds, who shepherds were uh, back in that time. 
So uh, biblical shepherds were the lowest rung on the totem pole of the Roman Empire, of the, of the Jewish idea. Of course, it's not an empire, but their social hierarchy. Uh, and they're on par with tax collectors. Tax collectors, excuse me. They were not hated in the same way tax collectors were, but social standing-wise, they were on that same level. Here's how they got there. Because we read early in Genesis, right, that the nation of Israel under Abraham, right, is a nomadic sort of people. They moved around, they traveled, and they would have herds. Nomadic people, of course, can't really plant crops because you don't stay necessarily in one place long enough to plant, cultivate, and harvest crops. You might grow wheat and stuff like that, but you wouldn't stay in one place long enough to really be an agricultural society. So they were a herding society. Fast forward a couple hundred years and we find Joseph in Egypt. Egypt, of course, at that time was the major superpower. They were not a nomadic people. They were an agricultural society. They didn't have livestock. Here's the thing. Well, they had some. I don't want to say they didn't have any, but they, didn't, but they had a small amount. Here's the thing. In an agricultural society, you don't want livestock because livestock eat your grains, and the other things that you grow. So shepherding in the Egyptian world was not a huge thing. Joseph walks into this world. Joseph brings his family into this world. And then the Israelites spend 400 some odd years in a culture that looks down on shepherding and says that agriculture is the right way to go. If you spend 400 years in a place, you're going to start to think like them. So when Israel leaves, yes, they are nomadic for 40 some odd years before they're allowed into the promised land, but they keep with them the idea that shepherding is not a great profession. You see this change in, remember the story of Joseph. Who was it that went and watched the sheep? The older brothers. When we fast forward into the time when the Israelites are in the promised land, who is it that watches the sheep? The youngest, David. Because it was no longer an important thing. So give it to the youngest. It doesn't matter anymore. There were still some sheep because you would make things out of the wool. And you still needed sheep to do sacrifices and stuff like that. But shepherding was no longer considered a worthwhile thing or profession. So that's kind of, it was a 400 some odd year decline of shepherding. But that's how we find ourselves in the time then that Jesus is born. Shepherds are still low on the totem pole because you don't have that many nomadic people anymore. People are pretty much in settlements. So you plant crops and you cultivate. Agriculture was the thing of the day. And it fast forward even to today's world, agriculture is still more the thing of the day. We are not nomadic people. So we plant our roots and we literally plant our roots. So that's how shepherds got to be where they were. And I want to make it plain and obvious for the rest of this passage. Shepherds were nobodies. The bottom rung, the youngest, the people everyone looked down on. Shepherds. They smelled funny. They probably talked pretty coarse language just like their fishermen counterparts. They weren't well liked. As well, and I've talked about this before in a different sermon I preached, usually shepherds would band together. One, because you're the lowest rung on the totem pole, so nobody else would talk to you. But also, two, because you had to watch sheep at night. 
So you'd get a bunch of shepherds together, and two or three of them would stay awake for the first shift while everybody else slept, and so on and so forth, and you'd switch it off so that the sheep were always being watched at night to be protected from bears and lions and uh, lions and tigers and bears, oh my, you know, right? The whole shebang. This is the biblical shepherd. They were not a glorified position. Yes, we think of shepherds as this great thing because we think of God as the good shepherd, right? But in the world, shepherds were not. They were looked down on. Keep that in mind as we walk through the rest of this because it should, context should, shape the way we see the rest of this story now. So that was number one, biblical shepherds. Number two, and you're first fill in the blank there. Number two, God shows. God shows. How many of you ever heard something like, well, God just worked in a mysterious way and I never saw it coming. Man, he shocked us. Right? Sometimes he does shock us. But I'm here to tell you that most of the time, God lets us know what he's doing. He doesn't hide from us. The problem is that, it, one, we often doesn't happen how we think it should or in the timing that we think it should. And therefore, we aren't paying any attention to the right thing. I love magicians. I'm not talking about witches and stuff like that. I'm talking about, is this your card? I love that stuff. Illusionists, I think it's incredible. I've always wanted to be one, but I've never wanted to put in the work that it takes to become one. But one thing that I've learned, because I do have a friend, his name is Ben, who, by the way, my friend Ben, and I, I might tell him to listen to this, um, he went to college to be a clown at one point. There's like a one-year, two-year degree sort of thing. And I'm like, Why, what would... Can, convince you to go and do this. But he would do card tricks and stuff like that. He would do these awesome things. It was great. Uh, I traveled with him on Rise, and so he would keep everything light at times by just being like, somebody would be getting upset and be like, okay, is this your card? I'm like, no, no, no. But he was talking to me one day, and he said, one of the most important things for a magician is misdirection. Get somebody looking and thinking about something else and they won't see what you're actually doing. Church, too often we're being distracted by something else, so we don't see what God is doing. He's doing it right in the open, but while he's doing it over here, we're over here going, God, why aren't you working? And he's like, over here. Come on, we're working over here. I'm not here to tell you that there aren't times where God does something miraculous, out of the ordinary, and just floors you. I'm not saying he doesn't do that sometimes. What I am saying, though, is that most of the time, if you're paying attention to what he wants you to pay attention to, you see it. How does this play into this story, right? So we see these shepherds are keeping watch over the flocks by night, and then, boom, an angel appears. I personally think it's Gabriel. It makes the most sense. Scripture doesn't tell us, but one, Gabriel is the messenger, right? And he's kind of been the one that's been the, the narrator, if you will, throughout this whole story. He's the one that appears to Mary. He's the one that appears to Joseph. So it makes the most sense in my book that he's the one that appears to the shepherds as well. Not a hill that I'm willing to die on at any means, but I kind of think it was him. Whoever it was, this angel shows up and he says, hey, I got something to tell you. Today, in the city of David, a child is born. His name is Emmanuel. And then the whole host appear behind him. God didn't hide what he was doing that night. God didn't say, 
I'm going to come down to this earth, and I don't want anybody to know, except for Mary and Joseph. They're the only ones that get to know until I'm ready. No, no. God wanted people to know. And who did he start with? The lowliest. He didn't go to the kings. He didn't go to court officials. He didn't go to Pharisees or Sadducees or whoever else you might think was important during that day. He showed up to a bunch of shepherds who probably peed themselves. He showed up to the lowliest and said, look what I'm doing. I think there's something beautiful in that. Because here's the thing, church. You and I aren't shepherds, but we're the lowliest. And he shows up to tell us about his son. He shows up to the shepherds and he's not only telling them, he's telling the world, I came for everyone. I will start at the bottom. The people that you look at and say they're worthless, I came for them. And here's the thing, church. The people that you look at and say they're worthless, he came for them. The people that I look at and say I don't want to talk to them, he came for them. He came for, and I'm going to get just a little bit political here. He came for Governor Wolf. He came for Nancy Pelosi. He came for President-elect Biden, for, uh, 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 for Harris. He came for Trump. He came for everyone. And he started with the lowliest to prove a point. I'm here to save the world. I don't care about your petty politics. I don't care about your social norms. I don't care about your economic status. I came to seek and to save the lost. And I'm not hiding it. I'm going to put it out there for the world to see. You see, he also knew these shepherds wouldn't be able to keep their mouths shut, which was a good thing. Keep your eyes open. God shows up when we're least expecting it sometimes, in the way we're least expecting it. But he's going to show up, so keep your eyes open. Number three now, number three. Don't wait. Don't wait. The shepherds, as soon as the angels sing their song and they pop back into heaven, the shepherds go, well, why don't we go see what these people were talking about? They did not go, wow, I must have been up too long. I really need to sleep. They did not go, wow, I still need to watch all these sheep. What they said was, God said this happened, let's go see. They didn't care about their jobs. They didn't care about their plans, their sleeps, their wants. God superseded everything in every way. Remember that the shepherds are the lowest on the totem pole. And then can you imagine if their only job was to watch sheep and then those sheep died? You're even worse off than you were before because now you can't even get the job as a shepherd. But they said, what has happened in Bethlehem is more important. The Bible doesn't say, but I personally think God protected those sheep that night. And when they got back, all the sheep were still there. Because the shepherds went immediately. The shepherds went immediately. Verse 15. Let us go straight to Bethlehem then and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. So they came in a hurry and found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. Side note, little rabbit trail. I also kind of think that it's very possible that God supernaturally calmed Mary. Because can you imagine if a whole bunch of people showed up right after you'd given birth? 
I don't think Mary would have been very happy about it. These gruff, cursing uh, uh, shepherds just walk into the cave that you've given birth in because the innkeeper wouldn't let you in because there wasn't enough room. I'd be a little upset. But I, I think God kind of helped out in that situation as well. But either way, so here come these shepherds. They don't wait. They go immediately. They see the child. They tell Mary and Joseph what's been said. And then they go tell everyone else too. Guys, we were told by a whole bunch of angels that a baby was born in a cave. And then we went to the cave and there was a baby in the cave. That's God. People were amazed at what they heard. It's right there in verse 18. All who heard it wondered at the things which were told them by the shepherds. God has a plan. Follow it. You see, part of the Christmas story was not just Christ being born. Look at the steps that it took. So, in order to fulfill prophecy, Jesus is born in a manger, in the caves, right? We think of it as a barn. It's not really a barn like we think of today. Most things like that were actually a cave in the, in the wall, right, in the rock face. Then he goes, step two, I'm going to go tell the shepherds. Well, I'll send my angels. They'll go tell the shepherds. Step three, the shepherds will go immediately. Step four, Everyone around is going to know because those shepherds won't keep their mouths shut and they will be, have wonder at what has happened. The story of Christmas, yes, they didn't call it Christmas then, but the story of Christmas spread immediately. For unto us a child was born. Not everyone believed. In fact, most probably didn't. But some did and all were amazed at it. God has a plan. Follow it immediately. Forget about your job. I'm not saying don't work. But realize what's most important. It is not who's president. It is not that you get to work at 9 o'clock. It is not that you do this or do that. What is most important is that you are following what God has laid down. Now, here's the thing. Here's the thing. God has put you in this place for a reason. He's put you in your workplace for a reason. He's put you everywhere for a reason. So work to your best ability in it. And whatever God has asked you to do, work to your best ability in it. But follow his plan. The shepherds did immediately. It makes me wonder if we would be so on fire as these shepherds were to follow what God says when he directs what his plans are. Would the people around us be in awe and wonder as well? This is a story that supersedes all other stories. We're walking into the Christmas season, really. We're, we're right, right on the precipice of it. Twelve days away. Just about halfway there. Just over. What are you doing this Christmas? We didn't talk about the innkeeper much today, but are you like the innkeeper who's bustling and busy? You're doing your job, right? We like to demonize or villainize, I should say, the innkeeper. Why didn't you let this person in? There was literally no room. What was the innkeeper supposed to do? He also missed it. We're not going to deny that fact, but he also missed it. But we often villainize him. But here's the thing. Are you like him who's like, I'm too busy for you this year, God? 
got this going on. COVID's going on. We've got all these different restrictions. We've got this going on. I'm trying to make sure that we only have nine people at the house for Christmas. I don't know. Do you have so much going on that you miss the point? Or are you going to be like the shepherds who are like, well, this is, I'm doing my job. This is great. Oh, my word. I better go tell everybody what's happened. Because that's what Christmas really is all about. I want to encourage you this morning. We're, we're wrapping up here. I want to encourage you this morning. Be a shepherd. Be the lowliest. It's okay. Be humble. But go out and proclaim what God has done. Yes, I'm sorry. We don't get to see the baby lying in the manger. I mean, sure we do. He's right up there. Right behind the baptistry. We don't get to see the actual baby Jesus. One day we'll see the grown Jesus, but we don't get to see the baby Jesus. But here's the incredible thing. The shepherds, shepherds only got to proclaim the first chapter of the story. We get to proclaim the whole book. Jesus was born. That's great. But if Jesus is just born and nothing else happens, you and I still go to hell. Jesus died. It's great. But if Jesus just is born and dies, you and I still go to hell. Jesus was resurrected, which is great. And when you combine all three, you and I get to go to heaven. And so does anybody else that wants to accept that free gift. I'm not going to stand up here today and regale you with the idea of give the best gift this Christmas season. We've all heard those sort of things. Just be the shepherd and proclaim Christ to the people around you. Even if you don't fully understand, the shepherds didn't fully get it. They only had a piece. Proclaim and let God do the rest. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you that you allow us to be like the shepherds. I thank you that we get this opportunity that you don't leave us at our lowly state, but that you, um, you came to save us anyway and raise us up above that. Father, I ask that as we come through Christmas here that we would proclaim Christ's birth and his death and his resurrection, but the hope that came with his birth. The whole story, it's hope at birth and then it's despair at his death and hope rekindled at his resurrection. And I praise you for that. It's in the name of your son that we pray, amen.